0: This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to I'll Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. Thank you so much for being here today. All right. I'm going to be at the Allianz Richmond Marathon, November 11th in Richmond, Virginia. It's coming up so soon, two weeks from now. I'll be at the Expo. I'll be announcing at the start and finish line. I hope to see you there. Today on the podcast, I'm joined by Sally McRae. So excited to have Sally back on the show. She is a returning guest. Episode 145, 242, 328. And I also had the opportunity to do a live show with Sally back in the day in 2019 in Indianapolis, which was super, super fun. Sally and Dina Castor came on the show. Sally recently became the Grand Slam champion. That's the Grand Slam of all these 200 plus races. Bigfoot, Moab, Cocodona, Tahoe. She recently completed and won the Moab 240. And we're going to hear about that a year of racing, 200-plus-mile races. Sally's also the 2021 Badwater 135 champion. She is an author. She wrote the book, Choose Strong. She also has a podcast called Choose Strong. She has a fitness app. She has all the things. SallyMcRae.com is her website. SallyMcRae.com. And every time I talk to Sally, she comes with Tons of encouragement and inspiration. And I know you're going to feel that from Sally today. I wanted to let you all know that I will be returning back to the Donna Marathon weekend in Jacksonville, Florida, Uh, the first weekend in February. Something else going on that weekend too? Yeah, I know, the Olympic Trials Marathon. Well, the Olympic Trials is in Orlando and the Donna Marathon is in Jacksonville. So what you all should do with me is go watch the trials and then caravan over to Jacksonville and run the half marathon or the marathon in Jacksonville. And then we're going to have an after party on Sunday afternoon in Jacksonville. It is going to be super, super fun. Uh, right now they are doing a win a trip. Okay. So you can enter to win a trip to Jacksonville for the Donna marathon weekend in partnership with visit Jacksonville and courtyard Jacksonville Beach Oceanfront Donna Marathon weekend announces the VIP Donna Marathon weekend destination hope 2024 sweepstakes okay so win a VIP experience and trip for two to Donna Marathon weekend 2024 set for February 2nd to February 4th 2024 in beautiful Jacksonville Florida it's a three-night hotel accommodation at the Courtyard Jacksonville Beach Oceanfront the official Donna Marathon Weekend Host Hotel, two race entries, and exclusive VIP race weekend events, including but not limited to the Donna Friday VIP Reception and Sunday VIP Marathon Viewing Party. This is such a great weekend. I go every year. It supports the Donna Foundation, which helps people walking through a breast cancer diagnosis. So go to breastcancermarathon.com. And to check out the sweepstakes, which I will link in our show notes at sandyboyproductions.com and also put on my Instagram, but it's breastcancermarathon.com backslash win2024 backslash. We will link all of that uh, at sandyboyproductions and then also on my Instagram, which is lindseyhein626. So much info there. Okay, so if if you do go register for Donna though, use the code lindsey1010 to get 10% off registration for any of the Donna races. Got it. A lot of info there. So excited to be back in Jacksonville though, um, for the race. And hopefully I'll see y'all at the trials or at the Donna marathon weekend. Either way, it's going to be an awesome weekend in Florida. Uh, all right, friends, please enjoy my conversation with Sally McGray.
1: Hi, Lindsay. It's been way too long. It's so good to see your face. You are so cute. Look at your studio. <laughs> Leave this to Eddie. So he had he's taking our our dog to the groomers right now, and he's like, "Let me get you all set oh,
0: up." He's so cute. I, I knew that. You. I was like, I logged on yeah. like three minutes early. I was like, she's already logged on. Eddie's like, yeah, he's a master, <laughs> champion scheduler planner,
1: crewer. He is. He he's a he's amazing. Like there would be none of this if it wasn't for him. Eddie. So super. Super grateful. He keeps me uh yeah, he's my steady Eddie. He keeps me balanced. <laughs> so how are you? How's life on the East Coast? You're in North Carolina. Yes. Which one of my favorite states in the US? I love North Carolina. Yes.
0: Um, yeah. I um I was just an indie though and I was remembering our live show we did. Oh my gosh. That was such a special time. It was so special. I really love that. I was just back yeah. there for the marathon this weekend and I was like, mm. Oh my gosh, twenty nineteen. I can't believe it's been Four years. Four years. Since we did that. Yeah, yeah. It
1: it doesn't feel like four years has passed either. Is that how long it's been? Have you guys been there two, in North Carolina for three years? Two years. Two, two years. And do you or, or him have family no. over there? Or?
0: No. Oh,
1: my gosh. Just doing it. Wow. We love it, though. That's a yeah, North Carolina is awesome. Are you guys, are you Raleigh? Yeah. Where are you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Raleigh's cool. I, I did, for like six years, did um, camps oh, in yeah, Asheville. I remember that. You're yeah. not doing those anymore. No. It ju- it became, it was so much, uh-huh. like with the schedule so and everything. So far away, we too. Just, yeah. And we were doing them like in Oregon. We did them in New Mexico. I mean, we, we were kind of going around really expanding, and it was so fun. It was such a great way to like connect, but... Yeah, the schedule just started getting super busy, and bigger projects were really starting to take. You're kind of like doing over. a lot of stuff right now.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, just a little bit.
0: Um, I already just hit report, bit. so we're capturing. Awesome, all this. All this I love talk. it. Sally McGray here. I love. Mm-hmm. Um. Yes, I hope that I can see you again sometime. I don't know when our past. Sometimes me too. major marathon weekends, I'll text you, or you'll text me and say, "Will you be here?" But. We haven't... Are you going to CIM? No, I'm not. Because oh, I was just... Are you going to be I might be, be at there? CIM.
1: I'm not running it. Yeah. But um, yeah, I might be there with BPN.
0: How would you run a marathon? <laughs> like... I know. It's
1: so funny. We we actually discussed that yesterday on our podcast because I get asked that. I'm asked that constantly. Yeah, like what would you I've do? I've never actually put a race together. Yeah. I've... Every time I've run a marathon, there was one attempt in 2016 when Anne is my coach. Uh-huh. She tried to put me in a sub three-hour training program, and I got way, halfway into it. And I would always do all my workouts along the coast here in Huntington Beach. And you can see Mount Baldy um, on most days from the coast, and that's the mountain I train on. And I wasn't like in the mountains at all. And I just realized, I was like... I I'm a mountain runner like mm. I love the mountains so much like that's where my heart is and I know that you can understand this Lindsay like we all get 24 hours a day and like when you're oh my gosh your baby in the back I love it <laughs> I love it so much the you know Halloween the costume Halloween? are you taking your kids I love it oh my gosh yeah like my kids are you are so cute I'm so happy he did that <laughs> No, I got a big mama's heart. I love it when the kids make the appearance and it's so sweet. And Halloween makes me so happy. I love the cost, especially the smaller they are, like I know. so. And that's my oldest
0: you. that did that.
1: Is it? Oh listen to my what I, son, did. I was No, like- my son is 15 and still wants to go trick-or-treating to yeah. wear the costumes. But I um how old is he? He's
0: eleven and I let him stay home from school today because he has a cold and he was really tired and I was like, Well, I don't want you to miss trick-or-treat.
1: <laughs> so right? we skipped
0: school to trick-or-treat, which I feel like most people, parents would be like well, you can't trick or treat if you didn't go to school.
1: No, you're a rock star mom <laughs> because you know what? He's going to remember that for the rest of his life and be like, my mom is so cool. I
0: just like, I could tell. <laughs> I was like, he is so tired. He just needs to sleep today. And like, he needs a day. And then trick or treating's like outside. Like, let's just do yeah. this. So anyway. Yeah. Um, They're all
1: distracted at school on, on Halloween I know. anyway. Yeah. So what quality work is getting done today? I know.
0: I know. <laughs> um, wait, where are we going?
1: with that. We were talking about the marathon. Oh and yeah, so yeah. I, training I ditched it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I continued with the training like a little bit, but I just, I contacted Ann and I was like, uh-uh. I'm really not happy. And I, and I, yeah, what I was saying was you get 24 hours in a day when you're a parent and you're running a business, it's, you know, the goals and the things that I love and I'm passionate about. I'm like, I want to put my hours towards that. But at the time in 2016, more than half my team had qualified for the Mm. Olympic trials. And so I really felt that pressure of like, oh my gosh, I need to step it up. And like, I need to like hammer out a good road marathon. And I just felt like I needed to do that because the team was doing it. Mm. And so I learned a lot that year and I realized like, why can't I just like stick to what I love? Because that's who I am. And I don't want to do things because that's what other people expect me to do. Mm. And I want to do things because I like, I get this one shot to do what I love and just to be brave and go after things, even if it's not popular, even if people don't understand it. And so I ran the marathon, I crossed the finish line, I drove straight to the mountains, and I ran 20 miles in the mountains. So I actually put together like a A 46 mile.
0: So you did do a marathon.
1: I did. I, I've done a couple. Yeah. Um, I think we talked I've about done this Boston before. and yeah. LA. Yeah. But that one was th- so that was the most recent one I did. It was 2016. It was Carlsbad. It wasn't a good time at all. Like I, I think I was. Well, I shouldn't say that. I know what because you mean. everyone's listening will be like, oh my gosh. Like for for me right. and and the training I was putting in, it probably wasn't very impressive. It was like a three fifteen or something like that. But I just remember thinking in my mind, like. I I'm doing this because I feel like I have to, mm-hmm. and not because it's something that I I actually want to or that I'm interested in. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, I think it's just a different, you know. I, I think in running, we're seeing a lot of trail and ultra is kind of an exploding, um, you know, vein in the world of of running. And I've been contacted more often than I ever have by college athletes. Oh, We're interesting. We are like, how do I do this professionally? Yeah, I love it. I'm like, you can go straight into the 50-mile distance. You can go straight into the 100-mile distance. If that's what you love, you love being in the mountains, of being on the trails, you like this community, you don't have to start with a half marathon. You don't have to start with the full marathon. Like, just seize what you love and and work at it. You can do whatever you work at. Yeah, so, that reminds yeah. me of,
0: is it Annie Hughes? I've had her on the podcast. Like, Oh, okay. (laughs) I I don't know her person. I know who she is. Like Like, she's she's so young doing these 200s, but it's like, just because you're young doesn't mean you have to like do all the short, fast stuff now and like save this for later.
1: Yes. Yeah. And that's definitely the messaging right now for sure. And I'd say even like when I put my coach's cap on, if someone is like entering the ultras and they're like, I want to do this for a while and be competitive, speed has to be a part of your training. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, dude, like we have, there's amazing trail runs that are the half marathon, the marathon, a lot of our world championships are, are shorter distances too. So yeah, you, you, and that's a part of my training program all the time, even in 200s, like I, you, do you have to put speed in there. Yeah. Yeah, you have to. It's it just so crazy
0: you... to think about like I <laughs> you out there for literally days. Yeah. And you're doing speed yeah, work your training. Yeah.
1: It just keeps you honest as a runner as far as like you you work on form and mechanics and leg turnover, mm-hmm. which you that's really important, just even if you are running, running slower. Like you don't want to turn into like this stiff mm-hmm slow runner like it just doesn't feel good mm-hmm. and of course we're starting to see too even in the 200s there's racing happening all the way to the oh finish my line gosh. so the guys that won Moab were sprinting the last 2 miles against each other passing no. each other back and forth which how painful is that but both these guys are fast <laughs> and so think about how the speed training for them it came into place at the end of a 200 a nightmare! A nightmare. I, and it was happening for me. Like towards the end, people are like, dude, she is three and a half miles behind you, which in it, like in the grand scheme of things, it's at least an hour yeah. behind, yeah. but all it would take is for me to be throwing up on the side of the trail or like fully passing out from sleep deprivation, which did happen a couple times. <laughs> and I've lost that lead. Like I'll lose that lead really quick. So, oh. um, yeah, my pacer and I were like, run, like, you gotta keep on like moving. I'm like, this is like not what anyone wants at the end oh of my gosh. 200 miles. of uh-uh. running. Oh my gosh. So. Okay.
0: So <laughs> four 200 plus mile races this year, Yeah, Bigfoot. Tahoe, Cocodona, Moab, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Tell us like how you decided like I'm going to move up to this distance. And then not only that, like let's go big. Let's do them all. <laughs> why not do all of here. Them?
1: Yeah, why not? I mean, I think people are going to ask you the same question, Lindsay. Like, why not have four cents? Oh. Like, why not like I've had two. Let's do three. Let's go let's just make it a, an even number there we go. It would be four. <laughs> and put them all close together. That's
0: right. (laughs) Let's just make it as chaotic and hard as possible. Yeah.
1: Yeah, So you and I, we speak each other's language very well, (laughs) but you're in it on the daily. See, I'm in my off season right now. There's no off season for moms. Mm -hmm, mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. And you're like, Sally, you're, you're getting close to the finish of not, we're never not moms, but like you're I You're know. You're getting up there. Are we going to start crying now? We might. Because how I know, Isaiah I and Mackenzie, how old are they? 15? They're
1: 15 and 17. Oh. And Mackenzie is moving out of the house in seven, eight months mm. out of state. How are you doing? She's making... It's been hard. Like, Eddie and I both have had our... We've both cried already mm. a couple times. Our, our, our family's really close. I think with Eddie and I, especially in the last few years, being full-time at home, yeah. like... We just spend so much time with our kids. We're a part of everything they do, their social lives, their sports. And our kids, this is such a gift, but like they actually really love hanging out with us. So even if Eddie and I go out on a date, they're like, What? You're not taking us. <laughs> We're like, we love that you're like sophomores and seniors in high school and you, yeah. you're like bummed that you can't join us on our, our dinner out. But like, um, yeah, I think Isaiah and McKenzie are really close. They're friends, and they're both actually on the cross-country track and field team together. Super cute. So cute. But we're really concerned for Isaiah. Mm. He has this big, mushy Mm -hmm. heart that um, he loves his sister. So, yeah, I don't think that we – I think the way that Eddie and I envisioned, like, our kids going off to college, I think you kind of see yourself as – like feeling older yeah. and like being older. Yeah. <laughs> not the case. In life and I'm like, I, um, yeah, I, but we had kids. I mean, we've been together since we were 18. We had our kids, like we got married young, had kids young. So I feel like it just, I, I didn't envision it this way. And we have friends that are having kids. Oh, still, right. So I know.
0: Isn't that crazy?
1: It is crazy. And we hit my off season. And I literally told him, I was like, I really want another baby. He's like, that's not how off season works. <laughs>
0: You're like your off 41, a couple months. 142 <laughs> How much time do I have left here? Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah.
1: So it's uh, yeah. All, Mackenzie's dialed down her. She she's looking at Oregon, Colorado, and NAU. Is oh wow, she'll be to, going will to she run all out of state? Oh yeah, oh, yeah. This is, so she's been recruited yeah. by all. Okay, those I schools. figured so. Yeah, so she. Uh, w- that's been hard for us because we're like, sure, you don't want to stay in California, like we have to take a plane everywhere we go to see you. Yeah. So yeah, it's, um, it's been a long journey. This is my, I'm going into my 10th year as a pro, which kind of plays into my decision with the 200. Yeah. Um, my, my career has been long and I, I've, I've been able to race on every continent in the world. And, um, you know, there've been different times in my career where I've, I've made lists like, this is what I want to accomplish, you know? Mm. So it's like, top 10 at western states two times been done utmb five times um for a while it was like i want to win a race on the world tour so we did that and um wanting to win every distance um in ultras so we you know we did that i I think that being able to see the world on my two Mm. feet some of the most beautiful places in the world is one of the greatest gifts of this sport and just the friendships that I've gained um, around the world. Like, I, that's been the absolute best part of the sport. And when 200s kind of started to grow in popularity, people would ask like, when are you going to do a 200? And I thought that is just like, it, it's too long to like really justify running the entire time. Like people actually run for 200 miles straight. Like, I don't know if I want to do that. Cause I really like running and you can still, you can do a hundred miles in less than a day. Like we can bang that out and in, in 17, 18 hours. But I feel like it was almost like a natural progression where I'm like, I don't want to end my career and and ask myself, like, oh, man, I wish I would have tried that. Or I wish I just would have, you know, that I, that I went for it. So, yeah, I, I kind of thought about it, like, this time last year. Usually um, September, October is when I start making my goals for the following year and start um, locking in races. And um, Jameel Curry, who's um, the head of Aravipa Running and the race director for Cocodona, was like, come out. Like, we, we'd we love to bring you out. Like, come give the Coconut 250 a try. And I was like, all right, Jamil, Jamil's a friend. He's awesome. So I just thought, you know what? I'm going to go for it. And I want to learn. Like, I can't think that I, I'm going to know how to nail this the first time. So I decided to sign up for four. And we released a YouTube series called Training mm-hmm. for a 200 Mile Race. And we thought, let's create some content to help other people that want to dive into this too, because we know it's an event that people are actually still trying to figure out how to train for, how to pace, how do you, how do you do these, these events? Cause they, they do not run like hundreds. Um, I like to call them epics. I'm like, these are beyond ultras. Like this is like multi-days out there of just running straight. It's not a stage race. It's, you're trying to get to the finish line as fast as you can. And, um, yeah, there's a lot of different strategies and in, in, in pacing, but that was the reason why mm. I signed up for four. I know I'll le- learn something each time and I just want to share that with people, but also it was a big goal, but something I'd never done in my career. So it came out to, cause I added in a hundred mile race in there too. So oh, we yeah. did over 1100 miles of racing. Wow. Yeah. So it was, I think 1100 miles of racing in the span of like six months, but the, um, the 200s were, five, were within five months so all four were within five months so yeah it was, it was a scary goal it was a big goal I didn't know how my body would hold up I don't know how I would do but um, yeah I'm really grateful wow. that, that I went for it
0: This podcast is supported by Purina Pro Plan Sport I know a lot of listeners here like to run with their dogs have dogs and there's so much joy you get out of running together and it all starts with Purina Pro Plan Sport. This is a dog food formulated to fuel your dog's adventures. Pro Plan Sport gives your dog the strength and stamina they need to take on your extraordinary life together. Go to ProPlansport.com to find the right sport formula for your dog. They will also be at the New York City Marathon Expo this weekend, so you can visit the Pro Plan booth at the New York City Marathon Expo. ProPlansport.com. All right, back to the show. Okay, so Cocodona was first.
1: Yeah, that was May 1st. Um, That was was 250 miles, and that really set the stage for the rest of them. Yeah. Uh, We did a documentary on it, and I absolutely destroyed my feet. That's what I heard. Yeah, it was really public. (laughs) So it was very humbling.
0: (laughs) Okay, you are the queen of winning with your mind. We know that about Sally. We know that about Sally. You had already committed to the four. How, when your yeah. feet are that bad and you've had such mm-hmm. a really hard experience, are you like, yeah, I'm just going to keep going. I'm going to, I'm going to do it again.
1: Yeah. Well, that, that goes into just mental training and something that I think that, that we all have. Um, this is something we've been touching on recently where I feel like, I feel like all of us are given things that we, uh, we have gifts and talents. That we have, you know, you think of someone that is born with a beautiful singing voice, Mm. you you listen to them sing and you're just like blown away or it makes you cry because they their voice is so beautiful and. When you have those natural gifts and abilities, it's just you You have so much respect for that. You're in awe of it. And you can honestly tell yourself if you don't sing or you don't have, like, that ear, like, yeah, I could yeah. never sing like that. And it's probably true. You'll probably never sing that way. Uh-huh. You could get a voice coach and get to a point. But I think with the strength of mind, though, that's something that we all mm. have. But I I also believe that it's been stunted or, or blocked. Um, starting you know maybe in our childhood um maybe with a, a bad relationship that someone kind of suppressed us or made us think or we have this belief that we're just not strong enough or we think that being strong means that we're wildly successful and we have all these gifts and talents that we're the best and we're number one and it's like being strong isn't about being number one you don't mm-hmm. have to be the best in the world to be strong it's something that you can actually tap into and choose it's a choice that you have and for me, I, I realized that, um, you know, after Coca dona that was, it was shocking to me what happened to my feet because. Um, can you explain? <laughs> so humbling. Can you explain how bad it was? Oh, uh, yeah. To an I extent? had ulcers on the back of my heel. From that so race. An, yeah. Like deep hole, a hole. Ooh. On my right foot, there was like literally a hole. Wow. Um, that. Yeah, I I think I should just kind of backpedal. I have been very prideful in my entire career about not getting blisters and black toes. Okay, like I've done bad water three times and never had a single blister. Wow, wow! And people who do bad water talk about how completely like ripped up their feet get and they're just full of blisters. And I'm like, I never had one. Wow. (laughs) And and I think that um, on, on that same note, I've raced. Up volcanoes and through jungles and rivers in the snow, in the rain like you name it. I've raced in every terrain and environment, and my feet have been great, huh? My whole career. So, I think when I got to coca that was never, I never even thought for a second that I would have any foot problems because I'm like, I just don't, like, I'm just one of those persons that doesn't. And there's people that get blisters at a half marathon, oh, for sure. you know, Me. like, yeah, and
0: yeah, I've done it, <laughs> yeah, huge blood blisters, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's and and I think there there I I have several fun different coaching certifications, but I remember sitting under one um, at this seminar I was in Boulder like over a decade ago. I think it was even before I even signed. Um, I was doing a lot more coaching, and we had like a foot doctor come out, and one of the things he even talked about was just like your skin, like just genetically has a lot to do with it too, mm-hmm. like the elasticity of your skin. Um, and I was like, oh, that actually kind of makes sense. Like that just like our, the type of skin we have and it's elasticity, like it's going to affect, you know, blisters and then there's environment and shoe size and the way your foot hits the ground. And like, so it's, no one's guaranteed to have like a perfect day, um, all the time. Cause there's a lot of factors that can affect blisters, but that's why it's so important to take care of them as soon as you feel mm-hmm. like a hot spot or, or something rubbing wrong. So when I got to Cocodona, I made a grand mistake. So I love Balega socks. I've used those like my whole life. Um, they're the, a sock from South Africa. I love them because they also give back to the community. Mm-hmm. So um, I had ordered a pair of socks that I use all the time. And they were they looked ex- the exact same as a sock pair of socks that were in my drawer. I put out all my 200-mile stuff in my front. Um, like family room. We had like one couch with all my gear, um, everything that I would need like in my pack and change of clothes and all that. And there was like nutrition and stuff. And it it was, we were like working on all the gear that I would need for a week. Mm. And so when these um, socks arrived in the mail, I remember walking into the house with them and just tossing them into the pile of socks that I have. I didn't wash them. And they were like a very colorful, like thick sock. So that was my first mistake. But my thought was like, oh, I'm going to I'm gonna wash this pile. I took the that pile with me to Cocodona, and I knew that was the pair that I was going to wear on race morning because I had practiced with it, and unfortunately I didn't wash it. And so the only thing that I could uh, equate the problem with was that the sock was slippery. It was unwashed, and it had mm-hmm. the oils from whatever dyes or whatever that were in the sock. And so – My foot by mile three was moving all around in my shoe in a wild horse shoe, a Nike wild horse shoe. But I've worn that shoe for 10 years. So I was like, this is really weird. Like, what the heck? And like, I stopped after crossing um, this river and I'm like looking down and I was like, I didn't wash this sock. This shouldn't be like that big a deal, but I could feel it was a little slippery By mile six, the back of my heels were totally ripped open. And I was like, are you freaking kidding me right now? And you can't see crew or get access to any of your stuff for the first, like, 38 miles. Oh, my gosh. And so at that moment, I had to make that decision of I'm going to freak out right now or I'm just going to take care of it the best that I can. We're just going to keep moving. We're fine. Like... This is – it's not a big deal. I'm not bleeding or anything, but I could see, like, the backs of my – like, the the skin was kind of hanging off on both heels. I carried a blister pack um, with me, and so I, I took out, like, these blister bandages and did what I could, and then I just forgot about it. I didn't look at them again. And so by the time I got to mile 38 and I saw Eddie in my gear, I took my shoes and socks off, and there was, like, the live feed camera was on me. And I'm really, like – very aware of my reactions and how I'm acting when I'm on Mm. the live feed, because I don't like one, I I just don't want discussion of like my feet to be the main thing. Yes. Right. And so I was like, I'm, I remember kind of whispering to Eddie and being like, I'm going to change shoes. We're gonna do this really quick. Like we're going to be in and out. But in that moment I was like, so bummed. And I was like, My feet are really bad. I had other blisters on there. The heels were now bleeding. And we were only 38 miles into a 250-mile race. So I still had 212 miles to go. So we patched them up as best we could. And I changed shoes. And I remember leaving by myself um, as I went up the trail and just hitting like this really low point Mm. and thinking about how I had trained so hard for this. I was really fit, and I wanted to do well. I, I committed to not, like, I didn't really want to race that first one, but I wanted to do well. I wasn't out there just kind of sauntering around. But I thought, if I feel good, I'm going to race the last 100 miles of this race and have a little fun, which is kind of crazy to say that's 150 <laughs> miles of the race. We're going to race. But um, I just felt like, wow, like, this is not how I envisioned if I was going to have problems out here, this mm-hmm. is not what I was expecting. And I haven't – I have never dealt with this. And I remember kind of laughing in spite of myself because I said, I want to learn everything that I can. I want to be a student of this sport. And I want to like – my goal every at the beginning of the year is to be better than I was last year. And so I just kind of hit this moment as the sun started setting. And I just like started praying. And I was mm-hmm. like, I'm so being humbled right now. Like this is like not what I wanted, but like – I'm going to just see what we can do. And I absolutely like this is a mistake that I made that I'm going to own. And I'm not dropping out because Mm. of this. I won't. We hit mile 100 and they were horrible at mile 100. And um, that was the first time I let a medic get a hold of my feet. And it took them like 40 minutes to work on them. They popped some blisters. They tried to bandage them up as much as they could. Um, I was in quite a bit. I was in in a lot of discomfort at that point, and I made the decision right there that um, I couldn't look at him anymore. I, I thought the visuals that I'm seeing right now they're only gonna get worse, and I'm a pretty visual person. I actually cannot stand like seeing other people in pain or uh, like the sight of blood or like I remember when my son broke his arm like Ooh. I almost passed out like when he broke his arm like I I can't handle it. Um, and so I just thought, if I am, if I'm going to focus on how bad my feet are are, are and I, I go to every aid station and I keep on trying to fix them, that will then become the dominant focus of my race. And I don't want that. And so I think the as as I push forward, I, I made the decision at mile 100, we're taping them up, and I'm not going to look at them until I cross the finish line. And whatever is going on in, in my feet, like. I just have to embrace that and accept it and realize that, you know, I don't have a broken bone. Mm. I don't have like rhabdo. Like there is no like this actually isn't a critical injury. This is just like my my skin hurts. And I tried to really like minimize it in my mind. Like your skin hurts. But if you've if you've had open blisters before, you've had open wounds on your feet, there's so many nerve endings in your feet. And so the pain was like way more intense than I thought it was going to be. And there were certain terrains that we were going through on the course that made it worse. So like when I had this big river crossing, but right from the river was a super steep climb. So it just grinded up. I mean, my feet got really wet and they're mushy and then I had to go on a climb and they just became hamburger meat, like grinding up the side of this mountain. So I think that, what I learned in that was that, you know, we we can make a choice to focus on what is negative and what hurts, or we can make a choice to focus on just the next step and having hope that it's going to get better. And for me, it was just hope of the finish line. And um, when I saw that finish line, it was like this outer body experience. Like I just sprinted and it was like this overwhelming emotion of... I conquered that pain. Mm. Like I overcame like this incredible physical pain that I didn't know I was capable of. It was something I'd never experienced before. It was something that had really pounded my spirit into the ground. And at times like I was hitting these really low, dark moments and to arrive at the finish line, um, having overcome that, it really set the tone for the rest of the grand slam series knowing like you'll probably have to deal with this again. Cause the feet were so ripped up, like all the toes and the heels. I mean, it wasn't blisters anymore. It was just like, it was, it was pretty bad. So it took a while for it to heal. But, um, I think that is what makes our minds like so powerful is it is easy if you have a history of things going wrong or you feel like I never win at anything or like things don't ever work out or I'm not really that talented or I'm not that successful as a person and you know I'm kind of average. If you think that way about yourself, you actually start to look mm-hmm. for those things mm-hmm. to affirm it and you that's what you expect. And I knew going into these races, I knew that the feat would probably end up being an issue, but I had to choose in my mind to kind of set up a a different conversation and a different scenario for my mental game. And so every race, I'd tell myself, oh, my feet are, like, way better. Like, they're so much stronger. Like, it probably won't be an issue till the end. Like, we have other goals. Like, plus, if I could endure what I did at Cocodona, you could throw anything at me right now. So it was just always staying above it. But every race, it became an issue, a very, very painful issue. And it affected every performance. It affected my pace. It affected like, my mental state. Because you hit a point when you're in a, a rough patch, and we, we can kind of equate this in life, where it, it rains and it pours, right? Like the trials hit life, and you're like, dude, I'm so sick of this. I'm tired, like I'm weary having to battle this. I'm weary having to put up a defense against it. Like when is this gonna end? Like light at the end of the tunnel doesn't exist. Like I'm not seeing it. And I think that in these races when they're so long and especially like Moab, the last one that I did, I remember I was so angry, like I hit mile 81 and they were so bad Mm -hmm. and I was at the pacer and we left the aid station and I just started crying. And I like, realized, I'm like, I'm on race four, and I am so done dealing with this. And this is a 240-mile race, and we're 80 miles in, and they're already so bad. And I cannot believe that I have to deal with this like acute pain again. And I remember like cussing, and then I had just like these two minutes of full vent. And I was racing with um, Sarah Ostawiski, who's the champion of Cocodona 250 this year, an amazing athlete. And she just put her arm around me, and it wasn't like she had anything like – that would take hmm. the pain away. She was just like, yeah, I understand. But for both of us, it was like, this has nothing to do with whether or not I'm going to finish. This has nothing to do with whether or not we're going to slow down our pace right now. Cause we were racing. Um, it was nice to have someone there that was just like, I understand. And we're going to keep moving, you know, through this. So looking for like the bright side, being able to let go of, of like, The setback and the pain of the past and just say it's going to get better. I'm hopeful of that. But I believe that every race I was able to build on that, like I was able to say in every race when it was getting bad. It doesn't matter. I've crossed the finish line before when it's super bad. And I I know I can keep doing what I want to do and so um yeah it was probably the biggest takeaway of the Grand Slam series like not I wouldn't look at my any of my performances and be like wow it was a great performance because I don't you know I don't think I did anything spectacular out there but I am really grateful to have had those experiences and just to see what I what I was made of in, in those really tough difficult times and and to know that I could push through things that I'd, I'd never experienced before.
0: When she put her arm around you and said that, were you guys like in the middle of the race and at the same <laughs> spot?
1: Yeah. So she she we were. Um, she's my pacer.
0: Oh, she was pacing um, you. Yeah, she was pacing okay. me. So she
1: was the champion of Coca Two Fifty, okay. and then she came to pace me at Moab. Okay, got it. Yeah. So she. she yeah, she's awesome. We're friends, and um, she she we were leaving an aid station. So I'd grab some food and had fixed a couple bandages really quick on my feet. And then I, I left and I was like, because by by the time I hit Moab, um, I'm seeing a lot of the same medical workers mm-hmm. that I'm seeing at every single race. Oh, so yeah. they are like on high alert for my they feet. They know
0: your the, feet.
1: Yes. But the problem was up until that point, I'd always let the, like a couple times during each race, I was like, dude, they're so bad. I have to let somebody work on them. But I would get so frustrated Because it would always add on like an hour, hour and a half to my time. And in this, at Moab, I had this little secret goal. I really wanted to win that race. I thought, how cool to be able to win the last race of the series. And I didn't have time to do it. So Mm. I actually told everyone when I came to the aid station, I'm like, fine, I'm fine. And the medical workers are like wow you're doing so great this is like the best we've ever seen you like you're doing awesome sally and i would leave like in tears oh. because that wasn't the case yeah. it was like i was in i was battling a lot but like in order to achieve the goal that i wanted I, I didn't have that time to give i i would have taken time to take care of my feet and all of it i wouldn't have won you wouldn't have won yeah um cuz the two girls behind me ann and l amazing athletes they were running pretty fast and um very gritty strong women. And I knew that if I gave up any ground that, that I would, I would definitely be passed. So it was just having to choose. If you want to win, you got to focus on the goal and not the pain. And yeah, that's, that's kind of what it became. And, And realizing too, um, in, in a race, like you're, you're choosing to put yourself into those situations, so, this isn't like true pain and suffering uh, in the world. Mm. Like, this is like, I wanna go just have a day and see what I can do and be able to push myself. But when I cross that finish line, it's gonna end. But I can make it end at any aid station I want to. <laughs> if I wanna step off and call it a day, I can. So, I think, you know, having to gain that right perspective, like you signed up for this, Sally. And if you really want that goal, then this is what it looks like. You don't have to do it, but if you do, then then no complaining, <laughs> you know, like you can't complain. Like this is your fourth time where you're dealing with, you know, your feet being a, a big issue and you, you you know what to do. And so it, you just can't focus on it. You just wow. gotta keep racing.
0: Do you trace, you trace this all back to that one sock that wasn't washed because it yes. got, you it dug you so deep in and then you kept doing these races. How do you, mm. how do you live? Like, how do you like not be like, oh, if I just didn't make that one. Yeah. Like, how do you get past that and like continue Mm -hmm. on?
1: Yeah, I think that having made so many mistakes in my life, making mistakes in my life and then not wanting to take responsibility for it and realizing that I achieve zero when I do that, I think there's a lot of power that we gain when we take responsibility, even if it is embarrassing, even if it makes us look bad. And it's something that, you know, it's humbling. It's humbling when you make a mistake. And like I said, we had this YouTube series, so we had had like 15 episodes on YouTube leading up. So we had kind of garnered like a following, um, as we led into Cocodona and Mm. Cocodona has a live stream too. So, um, you know, from that point on, from the time I did that race and then all of them, I mean, you're now having thousands of people weigh in on, on your issue. And it's mm-hmm. like, dude, you're a pro, figure it out, you know, and, and everyone trying to tell you how to fix it or like what your problem is. And for me, the most important thing to me was like, I'm not making excuses. You know, I never once made that excuse. I didn't stop and say, well, it just wasn't my day or like, you know, blaming the terrain or blaming, um, a, sh- a shoe. I didn't blame the sock. It was like, I made mm-hmm. the mistake of not doing what I was supposed to do, which I, I know to do. Um, you should test all of, all the gear you use. You should wash all your gear. You should use it multiple times and make sure that like that, that's going to fit for you. So, um, I didn't do that. And so I knew that this was something that I was going to own and I, it was going to be kind of signature to my season. And, um, it was very, very humbling and it was hard too, because it then affected every performance. So when I wasn't able to run the pace I wanted to or have the finishing time that I wanted or move in the way that I wanted to. And even like a lot of the pictures, like you can see me just like suffering. Mm. Like there are so many images and videos out there where I am really struggling and, you know, running professionally for 10 years, like that's not what you want. (laughs) Like you wanna, you want these triumphant, strong images of you of like doing well and like owning it. Like, yes, I've been here for a long time like I should have a strong performance. But um, I think at the end of the day, you know, I've had this discussion with Eddie quite a bit. I'm like, if there's anything that I can appreciate through this is that we have this ability to connect with the community on so many levels that um, just because I've done this before doesn't mean that I'm perfect and that I have everything figured out. And I'm okay with, learning again. And I'm okay with trying again and trying to figure it out and in working through those mistakes. Cause I think sometimes we make mistakes in our everyday life or something blows up in our face or we fail and we're like, yeah, I'm just not cut out for that. Mm -hmm. And this is like, I need to go in a different direction or like that was so embarrassing. I'd ever want to feel that again. And I think we miss out on a lot of greatness when we do that. When we quit too early or we just give up on ourselves or we get so concerned about what other people think. Mm -hmm. I think I've had to learn to let go of what other people think of me and um, letting go of meeting other people's expectations or trying to do what everyone else is doing and just realize like I really want the best out of myself and sometimes getting the best out of myself means picking myself up right where I failed and going back to the starting point and trying again. And I think that's why the win at Moab was such a big deal to me because it was it took me four times to get it right. Mm. But my win at Moab wasn't it was no different from the other races. So I think for some people that were following along they're like finally you got it right and I was like it it was just finally like I was I had I was able to endure that much pain better. Wow. <laughs> it was like, yeah. it was just, because Cote was my first experience on it. Moab was my fourth experience. And mentally, it was just a mental difference. Uh-huh. That's all. It was a mental difference of learning how to be better in that pain and building on that every single time. Um, but everything that happened in all four of those races, Tahoe, I, I was very sick. Mm. Um, I only had maybe two or 3,000 calories at wow. Tahoe. I was insanely depleted at, at Tahoe and was able to get up on the podium. But, um, that happened at Moab too. So I was like depleted of calories. My feet were ripped up. Like I was hallucinating and delirious. I had all the things that happened to me at all the races culminate into one, but I kind of laughed with my pacers. I'm like, I have all the things and I know what to do with all of these. Cause I crossed the line with all of these. And like, this is why this finish is so incredible because, I don't think that when you look at what I did on paper that I should have won with all of those obstacles, but, um, somehow we were able to kind of push through that mentally and just believe that I could still keep running and, and keep pushing the pace. And, um, despite that, and yeah, it was a a really fun way to, to, to end the season.
0: (laughs) Hey everybody, are you looking for a great protein powder? I have the best solution for you. The Neurofi Plus Vegan Protein Shake by Prevenix is so delicious. It is packed with vitamins and nutrients, 20 grams of vegan protein, one billion probiotics, digestive enzymes, BCAAs. It's gluten-free, soy-free, dairy-free, no preservatives and no artificial flavors. This is the cleanest, healthiest, plant-based vegan shake around, made to the highest standards. Sometimes you just need a quick hit of protein after a workout or a run. You're moving from one thing to the next. You can shake this up with water, eat a banana, boom, you're getting it done. Right away, you're getting those nutrients back in your body. I also like making protein shakes for my kids with this protein powder as well, and they get a nutrient-dense jam-packed smoothie, including high protein, which is good because then they feel full longer. Uh, they also have a great joint supplement and multivitamin. And check out everything Previnex has to offer at Prevenex.com. Use the code ANOTHER for 15% off your order. Previnex.com Use the code ANOTHER for 15% off your order. Back to the show. One of the videos Eddie took, I'm like, you're just like, somebody comes up and you're like, hey, how are you? And you're like yeah. <laughs> asking people how they're doing. You're like at mile like 180 or something. <laughs> like this is totally you distracting yourself, right?
1: Yes. Yeah. We. I'm really strategic. I think just being in the sport for a long time, you have to understand that in ultras, um, crews play a monumental part um, in the runner's um, performance, just even mentally. And so one of the first things that, that crew will want to talk to me about is like how the rest of the field is looking and where they are. And there's, everyone's wearing a spot tracker. And so they can be like, dude, so-and-so's three miles behind you. So-and-so's a mile ahead. She didn't look that great. You can go, you know, it's like, the feedback is so powerful that, um, You know, I'm very calculated when I come into an aid station, even if I'm totally in pain, if I don't feel good. I mean, I could have been. You look good. Yeah, like strong. You, yeah. you have to. That's why I always laugh sometimes like in the community when people are like, she's always smiling in a race and she's so much fun. And I'm like, you realize that's because like she knows what she's doing. Yes, Like she knows the power of a smile in making you believe that she's great, but she could actually be working through a ton of discomfort uh-huh. or he could be like in a world of pain. But if he's going to come into an aid station, he's smiling so that he doesn't give anybody hope that he's slowing down Uh because it gives you a lot of hope as a runner. If someone's like, dude, the, you know, the second guy just left 10 minutes ago and he looks horrible. Like he looks horrible. He was throwing up. Like you can get him. Well, that fire is sparked. I mean, you're going to pick up pace for that. You now have hope that you're going to crush this person. But if I come into an aid station and someone says like, dude, first place, second place, like they looked so strong. They left here so strong. You'd be like, "Uh, okay, I'm going to take a couple extra minutes in the aid station really try to get Uh some more fuel and see if I can, you know, everything is kind of becomes a mind game. So I think there's a lot of power in smiling. And I think if you study, you're up on like sports psychology, smiling, just the act of it, it transmits good vibes to your brain. And you can even trick your brain And um, I think that turning outwardly, too, is really powerful. We hear this just even with people who struggle with... um You know, low points in a race that if you can kind of turn outward and look at like people around you and encourage people around you, like, hey, you're doing great. Like, there's like some good juju that comes up in that. So, if you're if you struggle with like those low dark moments and you can't get out of them, like, just start encouraging people around you and start talking to the volunteers, and it really helps. So, um, yeah, I think when Eddie would turn that camera on me or when I'd come into the aid station, like you have to be, you have to be on as a competitor. Um, you're competing every single step of the race. And the words you say and your actions and the look on your face is feedback for everyone to assess you, to judge you, and and to really get a good read on what's going on. So there was two times that as soon as I came to the aid station, I said loudly, oh, I'm going to go change real quick. Eddie, can you come with me? And then I would just, like, fall apart in the car and like start crying and be like, I don't know, like what, how am I going to get through the next 20 miles? Like, this is freaking rough. And, you know, I change my clothes, try to fix my feet as best I could and get some to eat. And he would encourage me. And then I'd pop out of the car and be like, all right, let's go. Like, let, here we go. Like we're doing this. Let's get out of here. And then I'd, you know, get a mile out of the aid station and, you oh. know, have a good talk with my pacer. Uh-huh. So,
0: um, yeah, it's just part of the game. I want to hear, I know we don't have a lot of time left, but I want to hear about Eddie's transition into like mm. working with you, crewing yeah. you, managing your career with, you know, I mean, like he scheduled this interview, like it's so mm. cool to see you all working together. Thank
1: you. I appreciate that. I, I do see it as, as a true gift because we, we've been best friends since we were 18, um, I don't think that all spouses generally make like a good working partnership (laughs) and, and that all just comes down to like personality types and, and just the type of relationship that, that you have. But Eddie is, is like such a good friend and we have very distinct strengths and weaknesses and even our interests are different, which really helps. So I think that there was, there was a good like four or five years where I would ask him I think I was asking him wrong, in the wrong way. And I'd be like, I need help. Like, can you help me? And it always uh-huh. just sounded like, will you be my assistant? Uh-huh. Which isn't cool. <laughs> he totally. I, And I just feel like is like my husband, who's like, he was a teacher. Um, and he had a dependable salary with dental and medical benefits. I mean, for him, it was kind of scary, too, to just like jump into this entrepreneurial like working for ourselves, like there's no dependability in that. And, you know, I have five, six sponsors and sometimes the sponsors change and like contracts change and you never know like how long your, your career is going to be. So even as, as athletes, like we're always kind of looking for what's the longevity long after my career, like, what is it that I'm going to be doing? And so I think it was, yeah, it was right around the time I won Badwater, so it was 2021. I was like, I need to like be a little bit more respectful in how I, mm. I like present this to him that I want to work with him side by side, and so the conversation was then, I I can't do the things that I want to do because I they're not my strengths. I don't know how to do them, so I actually need. I need you. And Mm -hmm. I need you to take these departments and make them yours and run them and be in charge of them so that I can do these things. And so um, that was a much better way to approach it instead of, hey, can you be my personal assistant? How did you figure that
0: out, though? Like, how did you figure (laughs) out, I need to change the way I'm asking? (laughs)
1: Well, I'm a communication studies major. Okay, so that's always really powerful. Uh, It's been very powerful in everything that I do Uh because so much of how we communicate as humans, a lot of is how you say things Mm. and how you word it, how your your tone of voice, and um, you know, you know, nonverbal and verbal. So so powerful to understand too, and so um, I kind of went back, retracted back to like that major and been like, I know I'm, I must be saying this uh-huh. wrong. And so, um, I wanted to like empower him and make him feel like he was valuable and that he could take ownership of, of the business. So he created the podcast and he uh-huh. took over like the app and, um, and now I, I mean, most days of the week, I don't even know what he's working on. So but it's your, yeah, he's
0: I, working on your business. Together, yeah, your business.
1: Yeah, we're work. Yeah, we're working on the business together. So he does like all my contracts. He does all the communications, all the business side of things. Um, Yeah, I mean there would be zero podcast without him. Uh, He does all the editing and the producing, and he runs a lot of the accounts. So he has like a true strong podcast Instagram account and a YouTube channel. Um, and he, yeah, he sets up all of like events and, and interviews and things like that. So he's, he's really taken the, the whole role into a completely different level. And he does all the backend stuff too, that I'm terrible at, like accounting and business and like all of that stuff that I am just not good at. I like to just create, mm-hmm. um, I love to write and I love, you know, that whole side of thing. I'm not like business organized like, like he is. So, oh my gosh. And it's been fun. I think separating, you know, when he can just like go off and work for a couple of days without even having to like connect with me. Like I don't tell him what to do. I'm not his boss. Um, he's, he's kind of just owned like a lot of different things, but it is fun when we come together and we just talk about like goals and dreams that we mm. have for the following year and, and things that we want to do. But being able to have like the same schedule be it all the kids, you know, sports together, travel whenever we want. And he can come to my races and speaking events. And it's it really is a gift. And we just have fun together. Like he's just such a, a fun person to be around. So,
0: yeah, yeah, it's actually been fun because, you know, before when he was teaching, like we didn't get to see Eddie so much in your. no. Social. And now he'll be like popping on your no. Instagram, like, hi. Yeah. Sally's on mile 150 and yeah. I'm eating a salami sandwich. Yeah.
1: Or whatever. Yeah. And he generally, I mean, he, it it took, it wasn't until like 20 2021 20, 20, that he even started an Instagram account. Oh, yeah. Okay. He doesn't, he does not like attention. Mm-mm. He does not like, he doesn't really care about social media. He doesn't really care what anyone thinks of him. Like he is, very, very different from me in that end. So, yeah, for a long time, like you just wouldn't see him. And a big part of it was like he didn't care to be on social media. And so um now he has access to my account. He like takes over the stories and so like fun. he's on the podcast all the time. And he actually has his own fan group. We'll go places and people want his autographs. They want, and they him want to talk to Eddie instead of Sally. Oh, yes. <laughs> it's amazing. Like we, we like did a hat giveaway and people are like, Will you sign it, Eddie? Oh, I'm like, gosh, oh, okay. So yeah, it's really cute, but he it's he's just not used to it. But yeah, it's it's been really cool to see him come into his own and just own all the things that he does because he he does a lot. He works seven days a week. I um, really hard. I think
0: it, some podcast I was listening to you on and you somebody asked him like all these crazy things you you do, and he's like, I know who I married.
1: Oh my gosh! Yeah, that's like my favorite. And thing. shouldn't we all remember that?
0: Ago. We yeah, right? We
1: knew. Yeah, we we knew. Yeah, I mean, Eddie has some like... Ultra fans, some women oh, that are big fans of him. I love it. Yeah, and I laugh sometimes. I'm like, "Excuse me, he's like my he's he's a cute guy. He's, he's cute. fun, so I get it. But some women get like protective of him of things that I'm doing. They'll be like, "Well, we just think that Eddie should be able to make his own decisions, and we think we're rooting for Eddie to do this." And I'm like, "I'm sorry, like if you know him, he no one makes decisions for him. Like he, the whole world could say we're doing this, and Eddie's like." I don't want to do yeah. that, and like Not that's like either. who he is, but um, but I just like laugh because I'm like, dude, you have a lot of fans. So this one woman was like, oh, poor Eddie. Like Sally does all these races. This is before we work together. Sally does all these races, and it must be so hard for you that you have to watch the kids while she's racing. And he's like, no, it's fine. Like their dad. <laughs> oh, it must be so overwhelming. And he's like, I know who I married. Yes. And I'm like, yes, babe. Yes, yes you did. <laughs> Thank you for like loving me for who I am and being that support and standing next to me and, you know, women can, we can be a little catty. Uh-huh. We can be a little, we can be a little catty. And Eddie just, he won't have any uh-uh. of that. He's like, I don't think so. You're not going to size my wife up like that. No, like, I know who I married and I'm proud of her. Uh-huh. And, um, yeah, that's I think that's definitely been a, a big like reason why we, I mean, we've been together for so long, but like I've known that about him since we started dating. Like he's just such that he was a woman a cheerleader, and support. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh, when I started dating him, he made a lot of women sad. I never thought he he would ever like me cuz I was just like this sweaty soccer player and there was a lot of girls that liked him at our college oh and gosh. I was like there I could not compete with these girls. That's what I really believe. So um when he had asked me out, I was like there's no way. Me? Like really?
0: <laughs> Okay, but Yeah. So when you say that that surprises me because you're you're confident, right? <laughs> you earlier though, you were saying um like, there's nothing special about, like, the mind as far as, like, you can have this beautiful singing voice voice, or you can be mm. really good at X, Y, and Z, but, like, we can all train our minds. But, like, what mm. if someone listening is like, but I am average? Like, oh, what do you want to say yeah. to them?
1: I think that's how most people think of themselves. Yeah. You know, you, you hear podcasts and, and listen to interviews of people who are highly successful, And we'll say, I feel like I have imposter syndrome. Mm. It's one of the most common feelings that people have. I don't think I deserve to be here. I feel like that someone's going to discover that I'm not actually valid in what I'm doing, that um, I'm actually not great at these things. And I don't know where that comes from. I think that's why I love to use my social media profiles to really encourage people Mm. to believe in themselves and And to know like you get one life and you can either listen to the like self barriers that you've put up or maybe someone that something that someone had had said or hurt you like 10, 15 years ago and make that like the core of your self-belief. Or you're just going to choose to step out in courage and say, you know what? No, like I am going to try. And even if I fail 10, 15 times, I'm going to keep trying. And I think to feel average and to feel like that you aren't unique is just a lie. Mm-hmm. And and that's, I'm just flat out, it's a lie. There, that they, Just to exist in this world is like wonderful. It's a miracle. It's beautiful. And it's like such a gift. And no one gets to live your life for you. No one can. And no one thinks exactly the way you do every second of the day and possesses all unique Unique details that make you, you. And I think there's something so beautiful about that, but I think it's something that we often overlook because we're so consumed with maybe scrolling through social media Mm -hmm. or thinking that other people who are highlighted online or on TV or in the newspapers that like, they're great. And if I don't have those things, then I'm not great, but I don't think that's what makes people great. You know, if you if you can be a good neighbor and and really love and connect with someone right there in your community or right there in your home, that's very meaningful. And I think that life is about the relationships that we create. I think that's what you'll always be remembered for. You know, you can have all the accomplishments in the world, but like, if you don't love people and you weren't known for loving others and like that, that's a real loss. And so I think that's something that we can all give. We can all be strong and we can all love. And, and so I don't think there's anything average about that. You know, you don't need to be the best in the world, but you can be the best you and I think that if you choose to do that, if you choose, like you sign up for a half marathon and you're like, I'm just going to go be the absolute best that I can be out there. It doesn't matter if that lands you as 2,000 first place or first place. Um, yeah, there's only one person that gets that first place medal. But how cool to just pretend that you are the champion in everything that you do. I think that'll change your life.
0: I love that. I was going to say, what if people don't know <laughs> what that that purpose is like like mm-hmm. for you this year in 2023 it was very physical mm-hmm. like doing these 200 plus mile races and like and you didn't know it was going to be enduring the foot pain but it turned it mm-hmm. turned out to be that um yeah so I was going to ask like what if people don't know like I feel like I have this purpose but I don't know what it is but then you started yeah. talking about the loving your neighbors and even just starting with the people inside your home and I'm like Mm-hmm. we'll start there. But what if we want a physical accomplishment that we don't know what it is?
1: Yeah. I mean, I that kind of goes back to what I was saying at the beginning. I think that when we look back on our lives like even as kids, there's natural things that we have always gravitated toward, things that we have loved or things that we're just naturally good at or that we naturally just have like an interest in, like I always think of like people that are like do bird watching. Um, We have the wetlands like Uh right here, like a mile away from us. And like, I am fascinated when I go running through there that the people that will sit there for hours and are like so in love with bird watching and take these beautiful pictures. And I, I think about people that are that are pulled into like even um, crafting, you know, like knitting and sewing or, or people that like really want to be a chef and they go to like – they absolutely love being in the kitchen and making like beautiful food and serving that to people or – um, I think of people like at my kid's school, like, I, I mean, my, my daughter's boyfriend's mom is a great example. Like she just loves to help and serve other people. Like she's like on every board mm. she helps out, like number one helper. Like she's incredible. Like everyone knows her for that. She's number one helper. Like, mm. like who doesn't want to be connected with someone like that. Right. But I feel like it's important that we take time to reflect on those things. Like, what is it that I really love? Like, what am I drawn to? It doesn't need to be a race. And I think that's kind of like a growing trend I'm seeing. Even in social media, people feel like I have to do a marathon. I have to do a hundred mile. No, you don't. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do a race for your life to be meaningful. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do like a, a competition in order to find meaning in your life. Like your life is meaningful because you're here. And the things that you love and the things that maybe you're naturally gifted in can be used to impact the world around you. And even if it is right there in your community. But it I I think that we I, I think it's really easy. I mean, here we are. We're gonna hit November tomorrow, Lindsay. Like how? I know. How do we have eight weeks left in twenty twenty three, right? I know. And one of the things I love to encourage people in is like there is a lot of power in in remembrance and reflection. Um you know, if you have a hard time getting up early in the morning, but think about like getting up just 10, 15 minutes in the morning and going on a walk and just thinking about who you are, where you're going, what it is that you want to do. What are the things that you've been neglecting? Um, are you operating because you're trying to please people around you right now? Are you doing stuff with your life that you actually don't like, but it's going to, you you think it's going to impress people around you? Like there's a lot of really important life questions I think we can ask ourselves that help us discover you know, what it is that we could be doing with our life that, that would make us happy, that would make an impact or is an, an example of, um, or an opportunity that you could be using, you know, your gift. And yeah, I think that that comes with, with reflection and, you know, just meditating on on your life and where it is but life goes by so fast we let our schedules get away we're, we're tired at the end of the night and before we know it, it's just like it's just we're on repeat and pretty soon weeks go by and months go by and we're like what are we doing So I always like to encourage people, you know, for for the listeners, when was the last time you actually like sat down with like a journal, maybe if you like to put pen to paper and actually write, that's for me, it's really powerful. When I write it down and I read it, I'm like, wow, that came out of me. Or like, that's how I'm feeling right now. Or like, that's really what I want to do. Or it's getting with a mentor, like a good friend and just talking Talking through life, and sometimes when you speak it out, it it helps you understand like what you're working through or why you're feeling the way that you are. But um, yeah, I don't I don't necessarily think that you know you have to run in order for your life to be meaningful. You have to do these races. You don't. I think if you have a body that is capable of moving. Movement every day is powerful. It helps with your total well-being. Whether it's swimming or walking or biking, like that's so powerful. Like that—that's great to move your body. Um, but I just—I'm a big believer in just encouraging people to live authentically and who they uniquely are, no matter what.
0: Yeah, I think that with the new year coming up too, it's like it is a really good time to like have that reflection. Um, yeah. But I want to have that reflection every day. Like, every day I want to be like, okay, what's I mean the game that. plan, you know? Yes. Oh, Sally, yes. all of my kids <laughs> have made an appearance in this podcast. I know,
1: I've seen them in the back of the screen. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, they are all coming home, though, because it's Halloween and they're getting ready to go trick-or-treating. Yes, Although it's, it's kind such of an exciting here. day. I know. Um, I always hate to end with you, but thank you. Thank you, thank yeah, you, thank, thank you Lindsay. for your words. Thanks for having me on. When I was like, let's get Sally, and I was like, well, I don't really need to prepare because I'll just say, "Can you please just talk like <laughs> like i just I just want your voice recorded because you Aww. always have the most you just you know you have a gift I don't want to say you know you have a gift you know you have a gift you have you have a gift with your words um and I want you to be my life coach
1: oh <laughs> Lindsay, you're so kind. I really appreciate that, and I appreciate you just let me you know, be on your show and, and be able to speak. And I love that we've stayed connected all these oh years. Oh my gosh.
0: Sally, yeah. like I, I first started following you on like Twitter. I mean, this was before, <laughs> before all these things, you know what I mean? Like Mackenzie was probably like four. I mean, your kids yeah. were so young. I lived, it was yeah. like two houses ago. It was mm-hmm. like, Marshall wasn't even That's born so yet when I started following Aww. you and he's 11. So, I mean, it's been, and we didn't even get to talk about your book, but, um, y'all go pick it up Choose strong. I listened to it on audible, which Thank is the you. best way to do it because Sally reads it.
1: Thank you for listening to it. I think, I think I always, um, it's funny. Some people will like mess me I Got your book. Can't wait to learn like some running strategies. I'm like,
0: Oh, oh that's not, not what book. this is. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I was excited to see that you're not doing more. Yes, yeah, so it's a two-part yeah, yeah. memoir. Yeah, that'll be yeah, good. The original book was like 50 chapters, and I was like, I Too feel long. like I need to break this up because the first 18 years of my life was very impacting and just laid the foundation to, yeah. to the woman that I am today. Yeah. And it just was so heavy. Yeah. I was
0: like, it's a lot. It is a lot.
1: To go from that and then transition to when I became a mom and a professional athlete. It's like two, two books. Separate. It's just, Which I kind of, yes. I really liked
0: that because it yeah. wasn't super long. No. Could, it was I, really digestible to get through.
1: Thank you. Yes. Yeah. So I'm, I'm a former English teacher. Okay. Um, grammar English uh-huh. teacher. So I, I did have two editors on it, which I was really grateful for. But I, cho- I have a couple different styles of writing. And for this one, I was like, I want people – If they have the physical copy, I want them to be able to read it Mm -hmm. within one or two cities. Yeah, yeah. And it has to be for all ages and for people that probably don't even, even if you don't like reading a book. And so it is written pretty simply. Um, And it's very straight to the point, like every Mm -hmm. chapter. Like I don't get like, you know, very verbose and flowery like with my words. And I just wanted people to finish it. Mm -hmm. Like, please finish it. Mm-hmm. And I had done research on books and knew that a lot of books go left unread. Mm-hmm. And so I oh, had sure. a certain style and how I wrote it that I was like, I think I can keep people reading if I start each chapter like this. And if I kind of put you in the gut each time. Uh-huh. <laughs> so-
0: <laughs> That's right. Well, I was just thinking like when you said this is multiple oh. books, I was like, but like the Grand Slam and your feet could be a whole book in itself.
1: Maybe it's just one beefy chapter. I know that's why we've done films too. So we have two films already on the Grand Slam. We have a third one uh-huh. coming out. So there'll be three three documentaries nice. on the Grand Slam series. Wow, um, Moab, Moab, the Moab one will come out probably in around Christmas nice. time. Nice. Yeah, we got we we released a book this year. We did the Grand Slam series, and it was just like crazy. Just yeah, thank God for Eddie.
0: Seriously, <laughs> I'm I'm so happy for you guys, though. I feel like this is such a cool, like, it's just a such a cool way to have a marriage. I mean, that you get yeah. to do this together.
1: Yeah, I, it's rare. I I do not take it for it's granted really cool. At all. Like some of my best girlfriends are like, there is no way I'd ever oh, with my be, husband. Oh, yeah, they'd like, be, yeah, they'd be I get it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I totally get yeah, yeah, it. Yeah. Like,
0: it is not for the everyone. person you're most we, comfortable with in the world. Yeah.
1: Yes. Yeah. And we—that's the style of our relationship. We have a very like friendship-heavy. Uh-huh. Like we, he's just my bestie, mm-hmm. like to the core. <laughs> so
0: you guys are the best. I hope I get to meet Eddie someday. I hope you do, too. I feel like we uh, a double there date is in our future. Yes.
1: I think it would be really fun. Because you've told me about your husband before. I'm like, oh, I feel like our husbands would get along really uh-huh. well.
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> no, yeah. It would be perfect. And we would just laugh the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, you go enjoy I gotta Halloween, i to get these boys Lindsay. ready to go. I know. Get their costumes on. <laughs> and it's, like, rainy. It's a big deal. It's, is it's, it really? Yeah, it's not nice. It's, like, it's like 50 and rainy. But that's okay. No, It'll be fine. They won't be.
1: Stop though. This no, is no, yeah, yeah. There's no so stopping this. Just those umbrellas out, no. and it's happening. Mom. Yeah, we're
0: going. We're going. I'm. A, I have a. I have a really good poncho. I'll oh, perfect. Lap. All right, cool. Well, thanks, Sally. All right, thank you, Lindsay. Yep. We'll be in touch. Okay, for sure. All right, bye. Okay, bye. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for being here today. Thanks, Sally, for coming on the show. Always a pleasure to have you on the show. Love it when I get to talk to Sally. You all can learn more about this episode and everything we talked about when you go to sandyboyproductions.com. Just click on the All have another tab and that'll bring you to all the show notes. You can also sign up for our newsletter there. So all of the show notes get delivered to your inbox every single week. Thank you so much for being here today. I hope to see people in Richmond this coming weekend. And then of course at the Donna Marathon in February. Uh, thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next week on I'll have another.